Yes, y'all go. Kids can be dismissed to Sunday school this time. All right. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians, chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse 8. you have it, say praise the Lord. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in in them. Father, for the next few moments here tonight, Lord, I just ask you to use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word tonight and the spiritual eyes to see the path as you would lay it out before us. Lord, give us also the godly wisdom, Lord, that we need to walk in that path. And we thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Tonight, The title to the message is, Faith That Is a Lie. Faith That Is a Lie. Now, here is one of the most deadly scriptures in all of the Bible that I have found to date. So many churches have grabbed this text without rightly dividing it, and it has played right into the enemy's hands in that he has set this up in such a way as that everybody believes this is a free ride. I cannot tell you how many people I have heard say, but we're saved by grace. For by grace are you saved... Through faith. And what they see that as meaning is that all you got to do is have faith in that grace. All you got to do is believe, that's what they're calling faith, believe that His grace saved you and that's it. Nothing else. Don't you dare do anything because if you do anything, then it's showing that you don't believe His, His grace did it all. That in itself is the Achilles heel. That in itself is the thing that will put you in hell. Because the enemy has come in and unrightly divided the word there and caused people to fall. So let's go take a look at this grace through faith. And... The Bible says you're saved by grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That not of yourself. So we're going to take a look at all that stuff here tonight. The, the Word of God tells us we are saved by faith. Yes, we are saved by faith. 
What is that word faith represented there when it says we are saved by grace through faith? The doctrine, that's exactly right. We're saved by grace. His grace happened at Calvary. It did not automatically save everybody, folks. Nothing that happened at Calvary saved everyone. It did not save everyone. He died for the sins of the world, but they had to apply the blood to their lives to become that covering of sin for their life. They had to wash their robes and make them white, as the Bible said, in the blood of the Lamb. You apply the blood. He gave you the blood. He did not apply the blood to your life. He gave the blood, which was the sacrifice. But the priest had to sprinkle the blood, amen. And you, now, because you do not need a priest, amen, you do, of course, need pastors, but you do not need a priest. You can boldly approach the throne of grace, amen. You can boldly come unto the king, and you can approach the blood of Calvary, amen, in the waters of baptism, amen. And you can come and apply that blood to your life. It's required that you do. But there's nothing more that devil wants than for you to think Jesus did it all. And whatever you do, don't you ever do nothing. Because if you do, then you're not a believer. But it's quite the opposite. Let's take a look tonight. Let's break this down, shall we? Let's go to James chapter 2. Keep your places. That's our base text. But let's go over there to the book of James. And let's talk about this faith. James chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 14 says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Folks, what good does it do if a man say he has faith and he don't have no works? But this is exactly what the devil wants you to do. He absolutely wants you to do this. Because without works, you ain't going to make heaven. But yet over here, see, what happens is people don't rightly divide the word. They don't study and show their self-approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. They don't do that. They grab this little piece of text right here. This is what people want to hear. That's what's sending people to hell by the millions. Right here, this scripture right here is what's sending them to hell. They say they're Christians. They say they have faith. But they don't have any works. Why? Because right here they're taking it that this says don't do any work. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. What works? This works right here is the works of the law. This was the works of the killing of calves and the cleaning of hands and all those ordinances. This is not works this is not the works that is required now, amen, because if you don't have any works, honey, you ain't got no faith. You ain't got no faith. You don't follow this Bible if you have not works. Let's see what James said about it. 
Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Can it? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Boy, don't that just make you feel all warm and full and cozy and fuzzy. My goodness, now. My goodness. Look like you're fixing to fall off that cliff there, hanging on by a few fingers, ain't you? Yeah, man. Help me out, man. Come on, man. It's a 2,000-foot dropper. You ain't hanging on that cliff, son. My goodness, you're delivered. Well, you're not hanging on that cliff, really, man. Really, you're standing up here with me. Now, be blessed. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. Give me a hand. No, no, man. Where's your faith? Be blessed, man. Be comforted. See ya. What good does that do? What good does it do when somebody's starving and ain't got nothing to eat? And you say, man, be ye warmed and filled. My goodness. Poof, be filled. Be full. Wow. Oh, man, that really worked. I'm so full, I can't hardly believe. I can't hardly breathe now, man. Wow. How'd you do that? Oh, dang, I just gained five pounds right now. <laughs> wow. That ain't how it works, folks. What good does that do? Notwithstanding, you give not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, listen to what it says. Faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Faith without works, folks, is dead. Now, Brother Edward thought he found his ticket out of the church at that point. He heard a message one time where I was preaching on something like this. Lo and behold, he thought, that's it, I got him. Did he just say... You're saved by works because, let me tell you, all these big-time Trinitarian churches preach on this all the time about not doing any kind of works and all that, boy, and you're not saved by everything's grace. Everything's grace. Matter of fact, the name of the churches are grace. Building these big, gigantic churches everywhere, and what do they call them? Grace. I want to build a great, big, gigantic church called the Sword. That huge, huge church over there building, one on Beltway, Grace. Got them on every freeway going out of every, every part of town. This church called Grace. One on Tombaugh, one toward Tombaugh, Grace. Now, he said, Yea, oh, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. And there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, hey, so you have faith and I have works, or I have faith and you have works. He said, hey, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Amen. Listen, folks, people need to see what kind of walking Bible you are by what you do. They will. Amen. Now, listen to what he says. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. 
The devils also believe and tremble. Amen. So, as in all these all these uh, uh, commentaries of, of our modern day, the Bible, t- you know, they, they all come and they say, well, no one can be saved by good works. Well, no, you can't be saved by good works. That's right. You cannot be saved by good works. No one can be saved by keeping the Mosaic law. But I'm going to tell you, you will be saved by keeping the law, which is still in effect today. It's called the commandments of the Bible. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The commandment is law. Don't tell me, devil. I don't care what kind of pulpit you're standing into, in and how much of, of money you spend on your suit and your little fancy Learjets. Don't you tell me there ain't no law. Yes, there is a law. It's called the King James Bible. It is the law. This is the law. And you will keep this law or you will not make heaven. But the devil has come and taken lawlessness. He's taken the law out of the land and taken this, absolutely taken the law out of the church. This is not the Mosaic law. This is not the keeping of those ordinances. But it is the keeping of this law, which is the moral law and the, and the law of the land, the law of, of the Word of God. Praise God. It's filled with commandments. Filled with commandments. Things that you're commanded to do, things that you're commanded not to do. And you better follow those commandments. Now, let's get, let's get a couple of scriptures. Galatians 2.16. Brother, brother, quick. Galatians 2.16 for me. I use a lot of commentaries these days to, to show how wrong so many of these churches are and so many of these commentators and so many of these, these famous uh, 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 so-called preachers are. Go ahead. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Okay. So... So you're at Galatians right here. Hold on. Yep. Give me give me a second. Okay. Galatians two sixteen. Hold on. Now come on back down that again. Okay. Now wait a minute. Now understand who he's talking to here. This is Paul and Peter. Okay. Paul talking to Peter here, and this is where he says, look, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. That's the law of Moses. That ain't the law of the Bible. That's not the keeping of the commandments. Come on, brother. Okay, the faith of Christ. What is the faith of Christ? That is in this new doctrine. Amen. That is in the blood of Jesus Christ. That is in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That is in the new covenant. That is in this new dispensation and everything that we're talking about, not the Mosaic law, which was the only law up to this point. Okay? So it's completely talking about the works of the Mosaic law, the works of the law of doctrine that was from from old, the Old Testament doctrine, the Old Testament law. Come on. Come on. For by the works of... 
Okay, but that's the works of the Mosaic law. Thank you, brother. For by the works of the law shall no man be justified. That's the works of the Mosaic law. But I want you to understand something. The devil would have you believing that following law, anything, there is no law in this Bible. It ain't got nothing to do with no law. All the law's gone. It's the same way in the schools today. How you like that? How you like the school system now with no law? How you like the justice system with no law? How you like these nuts running around doing whatever in the world they want to do because they can get away with it? That's no law in the land. Refusing to serve a police officer in a restaurant. Refusing to, uh, to, to yield to the police officers when they're standing out there giving their lives on the line every day. And, 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 and sacrificing their lives for, uh, for people. And not standing for the flag, the, the very country that's made you rich, you bunch of low-life scumbags. Take that mess to Africa somewhere. Take that mess overseas somewhere and see how much money you make. See how much they'll pay you over Nairobi. It's the American people that fought and died for you, sorry losers. You won't stand for the flag that represents that. Get out of the country, scumbags. Makes me furious. All the men that have given their lives for that flag. Given their lives so you could be at home. Instead of in the house of God, worshiping God, the one that brought you, you're on a football field throwing signs up to him like he did something for you. He's going to do something for you. Stick around. You're going to find out. There ain't going to, there, there is no Mosaic law anymore, but there's a new set of rules, folks. And you better follow every one of them, every verse, chapter, and line. You better not be mistaken. Brother Jay, give me John 14 and 6. Now, here the Bible says, listen to what he says. Show me thy faith. Okay, thou, he said, show me thy faith by thy, without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. There's that faith that is a lie. Because if it hath not works, it is dead being alone. Come on. Sister Erica, give me Revelations 20, 12 and 13. Come on, brother. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now here they say that, you know, here's the commentators say that no man can be saved apart from faith in Christ. And that's where they leave it. That's where they leave it. This is where the genius commentators leave it. It's up to you to decipher it. It's up to you to figure all that out. No, no, they're not going to offer any explanation. No one can be saved apart from faith in Christ. Just have faith in Christ and you shall be saved. And they leave it at that. Why in the world, if that's all there is to it and that's all that's left to be, why in the world would anybody want to go to church? 
Why in the world would anybody ever want to do anything but just lay up on their lazy behind and do nothing? Just ride the old good old gospel ship right on to the house. Amen. Just wait on Jesus to come pick us up in his golden chariot. Amen. While we chewing on potato chips and sucking on a hot dog and throwing back a couple of cool beers because it don't matter. We're saved by grace. Amen. His grace did it. His grace did it all. We ain't got nothing. Don't you do nothing. Whatever you do, don't you do nothing. Now, you just believe in that grace now because no one's saved aside from faith in Christ. Well, what is faith in Christ? First of all, his name ain't Christ. His name is Jesus, the Christ. Christ is a title. Jesus is the name. Don't you never forget it. The devil hadn't. See, the devil don't bow at Christ. The devil bows at the name of Jesus. That's what makes the devil bow. That's why they call him Christ. They don't even know it. They don't even realize they're doing it. They don't even realize they've taken the name Jesus out of everything. It's all Christ, Christ, Christ. That's it. They don't even realize what they've done. The devil has got them so wrapped around his finger. All he's got to do, if they even start getting their eyes towards something, all he's got to do is dangle another million-dollar offering. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, oh, my God, I almost had a heart attack. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Now, what was I thinking about? Oh, yeah, I was thinking about that million dollars. He just keeps their mind on that golden coin. And their mind's never on where the real deal is. Their, nine, their mind's never on the fact that all them people are selling into hell every day because even they don't know better themselves. They've been taught by the same ones that's been taught by the same ones that's been taught by the same ones that's been taught, so on and so forth, all the way back to where it fell off the railroad tracks. And it's the blind leading the blind. Dr. Stupid begets 12 more Dr. Stupids just like him. Wrong is wrong, folks. I don't care if you got a doctorate in it or not. Wrong is wrong. Why would you want to be a doctor or something wrong? Be a doctor or something wrong. I'm going to tell you before, there's a whole lot of doctors out there that get together. And they're against something vehemently until they until somebody proves it to be right. When somebody proves something right, then they finally get on board with it. But right's right. Wrong is just wrong. Don't matter how long you how long you follow it, how intently you follow it. Wrong is still wrong and always will be. They ain't but two they but two sides of Jesus. There's right and wrong. That's it. No gray area. It's just as straight, plain, plain James as it can be. <laughs> now, so there's no, no one can be saved apart from faith in Christ. What does that faith in Jesus mean? It means believing in Jesus and the doctrine he brought and the words he taught. That's faith in Jesus. And that faith in Jesus, amen, that means being in, the word E-N, being in him, amen. 900 more messages right there. Revelations 20, 12, and 13. Listen carefully to this. 
according to their what? Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. That can't be wrong. Tear that page out. You can't have that. We can't have that because that goes against all the rich doctrine. That's not Learjet doctrine. Get that out of that book. Where's, the, where's, your, where's your Bible you had? What was it called? What was it called? Huh? Yes, yes. That, that can't be in there. That can't, sounds too much like some old King James stuff right there. You know, the woman hater King James. Probably a Paul guy's probably in there too. You know, that Paul guy, he's a woman hater. You know, you can't get that. You got to get that out of there. Tear that page out. Something about works. Next thing you're going to be talking some more cuss words like faith and you'll be talking some more cuss words like pray and fast. That Man, there's some slang we don't want to use right there, buddy. So what did they say? According to their works. Mm-hmm. Come on. Now, you know what that means? So, 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 so you're telling me that they ain't nobody in hell? Yep. Come on. Every man according to their works. That's right. You're either going to have works in one direction or another. You're going to have works for God or you're going to have works for the devil. Because I'm going to tell you something. Either way, you're all in. Don't think for one minute you're playing with Jesus. If you're playing with Jesus, you're living for the devil. Because Jesus don't play. Ain't no play in Jesus. You're either all in with Jesus. To not be all in with Jesus is to absolutely be all in with the devil, whether you like it or not. That's the way God sees it, and how he sees it is how it is. How it is. Thank you, sister. These are very startling to, to a lot of the churches today because, man, these statements seem to contradict what Paul said, but they don't contradict what Paul said. Paul did understand. But you need to understand something as well. Remember when Jesus himself was with the apostles, he was with the disciples. Remember when he was always speaking to them in parables? And do you remember how they asked Jesus about that? And they said, Lord, why speak ye to them in parables? Anyone remember his answer? For it is given unto you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. So why can people not see what I'm saying tonight about this? How is it they can read that right there? Why would Paul say some of the things he says and, 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 and they come out like that and they say, well, well, you know, this is what he meant by it. No, it's not what he meant by it. When he said you're saved by grace through faith, yes, you are saved by grace through faith. And he did not elaborate on it right there because it, if you have the spiritual ears to hear the voice of God, then let him hear. He that hath understanding. See, if you ain't got no understanding and you don't have someone like Paul to teach you, amen, how to understand. There is this thing called learning how to understand the Word of God. It's called submitting yourself to the Lord, the one that wrote it. It's called getting the Holy Ghost, amen, who is the revealer, the revelator of the Word. And it's called studying the Word. And when you seek it, you shall find it. When you shall search with all your heart, praise the Lamb of God. It's not meant for you to just walk in and understand the Word of God. They know Bible for dummies. There's a pastor 
that should be standing in a pulpit teaching dummies. That's how you get undummified. We're all a bunch of dummies. Can you imagine how stupid we look in the eyes of the great wise God? We ain't even got the sense to wake up without His help. He made us that way. That's right. God forbid we'd have so much wisdom we'd want to take over heaven, and that's exactly what would happen. Even dumb as we are, we still like to be the king of the hill. God forbid we'd have some real super wisdom and we'd be wanting to climb up to heaven and throw him out. Folks, all this works exactly by grand design. God made you need him. You're going to come to him or you ain't going to get it. You're going to get it the way he offers it or it ain't coming. And so when, by, when, when, when they asked the Lord, Lord, why speakest to, thou in, uh, to them in parables? Speakest thou to them in parables? He said, for it is given unto you to know the mysteries of God, but to them it is not given. See? It was given to them to understand. Why do you understand Bible like you've never understood it before in your life? It ain't just because I'm the pastor of this church. That has some to do with it. But God has opened your understanding. And I have taught you how to read and look at the Bible. God has brought you to a place where I am able to teach you how to read the Bible. And after a, just a little while, doesn't take long, and it's amazing. It's really, truly amazing to me how, how, how little people have missed it by and how great of a difference it truly makes. But once you get, it's, it's like you're walking, in, you're kind of walking in and out of a, out of a rut or something, just kind of walking in and out of it. But if I can ever get somebody down into this zone with me right here, it's not right here, it's not right here, it's right here. If I can ever get somebody in that path with me, and, man, they begin to see it's like everything's out of focus and then, man, you get to that right spot and everything comes into view. And when you get in that place and you begin to walk in that place, you begin to hear the voice of the Word. You begin to hear what Jesus sounds like. You begin to hear His voice. And then you begin to see, well, man, this is a whole different Jesus than I've been seeing. And you begin to see His Bible come alive. You begin to see the Word of God just light up around you. You begin to hear the words speak to you. You begin to hear God talking to you and telling you, that's not me, this is me. Well, Lord, but what about this? That's a lie. You know, I was always kind of wondering why that was. Well, now you know why that was. How in the world could I not see this? How many times have you said that? How many times since you came to this church have you said to yourself, how in the world could I have ever missed that? I've read that a hundred times and I've never seen it. And there it is. And it's so easy. It's so easy to see it. It's right there. You ever said that? 
Mind-boggling, isn't it? The same thing happened to Paul. Now you too, you as well can, can say the same thing that Paul said. It was as if great scales fell from his eyes. All the Lord did was he saw your desire, your hunger, and he went, and it's just like, wow, look at this word, wow, and it's just, it's everywhere, it's covered, and all the scriptures that you never knew were tied together are so tied together, and it's just a complete road map. One scripture leads to the next. They all tie together just like this. There's nothing like rightly divided word of God. You ain't going to find that in no Bible but the King James Version, 1611. You ain't never going to find that in no other version. No way. So much to this. This so-called faith that is merely a profession has no power to save or do anything. There are people watching me right now on this tape or on this live feed right here tonight. You're sitting there watching me, maybe in your car, maybe in your easy chair. You're listening to this message tonight. You're sitting in your house instead of the house of God, which is where you ought to be. And you're not only telling everybody else, but you're even telling the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror, yourself, that you believe in Jesus and you believe in Him and all that kind of stuff and how and that you uh, believe in Christ, you have faith in Christ and all that, so therefore you feel like you're okay and you're saved, you're on your way to heaven. But let me tell you something, folks, you're lying to yourself because that kind of faith is worthless. Faith without works is dead, being alone. And if you're not in the house of God when there is church going on somewhere right now, and you're not in the house of God, don't think just listening to a feed is going to save you. You need to be in the anointing of God. You need to be in the presence of God. Amen. And I'm thankful you're watching tonight. Don't get me wrong. But you need to get up off the backside and get in the house of God somewhere. Amen. And yoke up with a family of like-minded believers, praise God, who can help hold you up in the midst of the storm because the storm's on the way. I'm thankful you're listening, but I want you to understand there's more to it than this nonsense that's going across the land trying to tell everybody they're saved and they're okay. No, they're not okay. They're undone and they're headed for hell like a freight train. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Let me tell you what your works is in that situation. Your works is getting in the car and going to the house of God. That's what works is. That's works with your faith. That's your faith evidenced by works. It's no different than Noah who said, the Bible talked about in the chapter of faith, uh, Hebrews 11, the Bible says Noah being warned of God. Now here we go. Here's the faith evidenced by works. Moved with fear. See, don't tell me how you believe God 
and how you have faith in God and you trust God and you believe His Word, if you believe His Word, you're going to be doing what His Word tells you, which is fear Him. Noah, which was a perfect man, which you're not, whoever you are, he, being warned of God, let me tell you, you're being warned of God right now. Being warned of God moved with what? With fear. And built an ark to the saving of his household. Being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Well, let me tell you, I warn people here every time I have a message in this church, every time there's a message across that pulpit, it's a warning of some kind of things that are to come. Amen? Because the whole Bible is that. Amen? It's a warning of some kind that something's on the way. Things not seen as of yet. But those that believe are going to do something about it. Belief will move you to action. So, if you truly believe the Word of God, see, people tell you that, people try to say they love God. Well, you're going to tell me you love God, but you ain't in church. You're sitting at a house somewhere, you're not in church, but you love God. Well, the Bible commands you to be in church. The Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. That's not just hanging out at the coffee shop. That's getting to the house of God. Amen. That's going to the temple. Amen. That's going, amen, and, 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 and worshiping with like-minded believers and getting under the fellowship of, uh, of believers and, and getting in a flock somewhere, praise God, where you can be fed on a regular basis and sitting under an anointed man of God. Faith that is merely a profession cannot save, cannot do anything. The Bible said, Thou believest that there is one God, Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. How many of you how many of you think the devils believe? Let me tell you, they believe a whole lot more than any man can believe because they've seen him face to face. They know him face to face. Let me tell you somebody else knows him face to face. A lot of your relatives that are, that's in hell today. A lot of your friends that's in hell today. A lot of the people you've known through your life that are in hell today. They know what he looks like. They believe in him now. I'm going to tell you, they believe in him, buddy. And if they're trying to cry out from the grave, and I promise you a bunch of them are trying to cry out from hell today. If they're in hell today, they're trying to cry out. Just like the rich man in hell tried to cry out and said, Abraham, Father Abraham, let Lazarus go and warn my brothers that they come not to this place. He wasn't concerned about them thinking he was in heaven. There was no mention about him trying to say, oh, yeah, well, I don't want him to know I'm down here. No, he said, I want him to know I'm in hell because he didn't want them to come there. See, everybody up here wants everybody to think that, that their, their loved ones are all in heaven because it's just all nice and sweet and cozy to think about. But let me tell you something. Those that are in hell want everybody on this earth to know they're in hell because they want you to know that you're coming here. You're heading here right now. You don't know. You've got to be holy. You've got to be pure. You can't make it. You've got to be holy. You better stop, stop, stop. 
That's what's wrong with this world today, church. Everybody wants this sweet little powder puff message stuff. Everybody wants this cozy, cozy, smoochy stuff. Let me tell you, man, if somebody needs to stand up and shout it from the rooftops, this world is headed for hell, and so are most of the churches. And there's nobody saying anything about it. Everybody's just standing idly by while everybody's just wandering around like they're, like they're brain dead and lost. And they are! Because no one's doing nothing about it. No one's man enough to stand up and say, this is what you've got to do. Because everybody's worried about keeping up with the status quo. Everybody's worried about growing their church. They're not worried about gathering souls. They're worried about gathering people to fill their pews with. Worried about gathering people to fill their parking lot with. What's happened to the good old fire and brimstone, hell and fire and brimstone preachers? I'm going to tell you, that's the only message that's ever made a difference. only message that's ever made a difference. You look back. You look back at the messages that have most, have most profoundly touched your life. Look back through your life. Examine it. I'm not crazy. Look back at the greatest sermons you ever heard in your life. I mean the ones that made you make a change in your life. I'm not talking about the ones that made you feel like you're on cloud nine, like you're stone high, like you're drunk. I'm not talking about something that made you feel happy time. I'm talking about something that made you go home and throw out them porno magazines. I'm talking about ones that made you go home and throw that bottle of liquor in the garbage. I'm talking about the ones that made you quit running around on your wife or your husband. I'm talking about the ones that made you stop cussing and talk all that filth. The ones that made you change your TV, turn that mess off. I'm talking about the ones that made you change. I'm talking about messages that will make you move closer to God and further from the devil. Those messages, what were they? What messages were they? Who was the preacher preaching it? Was it some candy apple Sally boy? Was it some Armani suit Rolls-Royce driving diamond-dipped golden boy with his curly key flipping around? Or was it some old-fashioned, old-time Pentecostal preacher that given his last breath was preaching his brains out? Amen. Sweat pouring off of him like he's walking out in the summertime in a cornfield. Where you looked at him and said, God, help him not to have a stroke. That's the kind of man was delivering that message. And I guarantee you he had a Bible in his hand. And it wasn't no NIV. It wasn't no ESV. It wasn't in this other this and that. It was a two, it was a 1611 King James Version Bible, Holy Ghost anointed, praise God, and appointed. He was a Holy Ghost filled man of God. He was truly called to the pulpit, and he was answering his calling. There's nobody on this earth that loves the people of God more than I do. I love the people of God with every fiber in my being, and I'd take a bullet for any one of them. Proudly, because that's my calling. 
I love my God and my King, and I love His people. They are my brothers and my sisters. Amen. But their soul means something to me, and they're headed for hell. I'm going to tell them about it. I'm not going to take a check out of their hand with one hand and let them slip into the gates of hell with another. So who was preaching that message that made you move? Wasn't no limp-wristed preacher. I don't care what he went by. If he's a true man of God, he's preaching the truth like God called him to. Somebody saying they have faith is worthless. You see all these churches now that say this and say that. They ain't no more following God than nothing. But they sure know how to, they sure know how to build a congregation, though. But it ain't no different than a health club or anything else. Matter of fact, some of them got health clubs in them now. And some of them got the big old coffee shop right in the middle of, right in the middle of the church. Supposed to be the house of God. You got a cafe in the midst of it. Why just come and casually, come and casually sit around and just you know listening, listen to the, listen to the message. You know while you're out there talking amongst yourself. You got a coffee shop atmosphere and you got a guy in the background. You know, this years ago, man, when I first got in the music business and I was first doing music and stuff, you know, had some of these places that want you to just come in and do background music. You know, these restaurants and stuff, you know, when I was just doing solo stuff. They wanted you to come and do background music and stuff. And, hey, man, could you come and, you know, and just, you know. And uh, it didn't take me long to realize, no, man, I'm not going to come and be background music, man. If you want to come to hear me play, then come hear me play. I'm not going to sit around and play music for people while they can talk, you know, talk amongst themselves and do all this. No, I'm not a... Just turn the radio on, man, you know. If they're not going to listen to it, they cannot listen to that, you know. But I'm not going to come in there and have you pay me to just be background music. No, not going to do it. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't do that very long. But that's exactly what the preachers have become in the church. They become background noise. While they have coffee amongst themselves and discuss what they're going to do later, while they talk about this and talk about that, and, they, and, and the pastor has become just background noise. I'm not going to be background noise. Amen. You need to come and hear the Word of God and hear what the Word has to say to you because it's about getting you ready to meet your Maker, which could be tonight, in case you didn't know that. It could be before you get out that gate. It could be your last night. It could be my last night. I need to be ready, don't you? Paul declared that faith in Jesus would make a difference. What's it say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Sister Erica, since you have it, if any man, what's it say? Mm-hmm. See, and they never explain this stuff. So that's how they just leave it at that. No explanation. If any man be in Christ. Well, they don't know how, how to work. See, in, in their mind, well, you just say, I love Jesus, you're in Christ. Poof. Poof. Just like that. Poof. Magic. Poof. How'd you get in Christ? Well, I just said, you know, I just said the magic alakazam, alakajesus. <laughs> well, poof. I'm in Jesus. If any man be in Christ, how do you get in Christ? 
They don't know how you get in Christ. Nobody told them that part. Have you ever seen any of these preachers that talk about that all the time? Have you ever seen any one of them explain how you get in Christ? So then how do you do it? If no one's ever explained it to them, how, you, how, how do they know to do it? What is it? What's in their mind? What is in their mind? There's nothing in their mind. They don't have a clue. They're walking around thinking they're in Christ because nobody told them that they're not. How can you preach a message like this monotone? Because it makes me want to scream that pastors are taking their money, they're taking their soul, and they're giving them nothing in return for it. Where are these people headed, man? They're headed for hell because they're not in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That is an absolute fact. So then the question is, how do you get in Christ? Well, I don't know. Let's take a look. The Bible said, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So you're baptized into Christ by going down in the name of Jesus Christ, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 2.38. That's why you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. It's not for a public confession. I've got some some papers right up there that declare that it's just for just for your uh, you know just for your public confession of your faith. That's what they think. That's what ninety ninety five percent of all churches think. You don't need to be baptized. It's just really a public expression, and you should do that because somebody else's soul could be saved by seeing you baptized. Let me tell you something, Spanky. Somebody else's soul ain't got the first thing to do with you being baptized, you idiot. Let me tell you something, buddy. You better do it for yourself because when you stand before God, you better be wearing His name, and that's the only way you're ever going to put it on. You better be wearing His name, and you're going to get that in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. If my people, which are called by my name, that's where you marry Him, right there in the waters of baptism. You're buried with Him. You rise in newness of life. You take on His name. You become His name. You are, you are not yourself any longer. You're His, bought with a price. He consummates it with the blood of Calvary. That marriage union is taking place right there. You are no longer called by your name. You're called by His name. You've taken on His name. And you are in Him and He in you. There is, the, there is that they twain shall be one flesh. There's that intimate relationship, that interconnection. There's the intimacy with God. And he puts his seed in us. And we bear fruit. What is the seed? The word of God. It's all much clearer now, isn't it? 
so-called faith or belief that leaves you unchanged is a lie. Don't tell me how you believe. Don't tell me how you believe and you're not following His commandments. The Bible says, if you love Him, and you know, there's people sitting at home right now telling themselves how much they love Jesus. But how Jesus sees it, He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. For he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. True faith in Jesus always brings a change of life. True faith always brings a change of life. Has it made a difference in your life? Has it brought any changes? There are no exceptions. None. Now here's another thing that really really bears looking into. Most of these commentators say, well, Jesus turns no one away. Well, no. No, he don't. But there's got to be some elaboration on that. You can't just, uh, you can't just uh, throw that out there. So let's look at uh, John 6, 37. Brother Quick, would you get that for me, John 6, 37, please? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Now listen. Listen carefully. Read that carefully again. Okay, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Listen carefully. Come on. And him that cometh to me, I shall in no wise cast out. Now listen. How's that devil beating you up over running around chasing people down trying to get them in church? I've seen tears rolling down people's faces over people that just won't act right. They won't stop trying to catch them, and they're running from you, and you can't chase them down. You can't get them to stop and turn. But you know what Jesus said? Look what Jesus said right there. Is everybody looking at that Scripture? What does it say right there? It said, hey, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. You say nothing about you dragging them, kicking and screaming, running them down, chasing them. said, they shall come to me. And then he said, and all those that come to me, I shall in no wise cast out. But the whole key to it is, them coming to Jesus, not him coming to them. Them coming unto him. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He didn't say, hey, stop, I'm coming to you. No, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So no, Jesus won't turn you away as long as you're coming to him and he knows if you come to him, then, then the Father has possibly given them to, to you. Because he said, all that the Father... Now, that doesn't say that that's the only ones coming to him either. 
that doesn't say that all that come to him, the Father give me. He just said, all that the Father give me, they shall come to me. But it ain't the other way around. All that come to me, the Father giveth me. See? See the difference? The difference is there may be a whole lot of them that come to him as well, and they don't stay. How many of them have you seen walk in this church? And they came. They came to him, but they didn't stay. And if they don't stay, they weren't given to him by the Father because he said, I have not lost one that the Father hath given me. Remember? Remember when he said that? So there's more that come to him, and they don't stay either. That just means they weren't given to him. There's a whole lot of people going to be in hell that went to church. There's a whole lot of people that's been here that's going to be in hell for eternity because they didn't stay. But let me tell you, see, you got to look close to that word because you miss all that stuff. So he says, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Well, that don't mean they didn't walk away themselves. Because there's a bunch of them done that, hadn't they? bunch of them walked away. Now when I see them out somewhere, they're like, hey, boom, gone. It's like you throw the hot water on them. <laughs> what the heck was that? How you doing? Boom, gone, man. I'm like, wow, what was that? What just happened? Yeah. Greatest thing ever happened in their life, and they run from it like plagues. Now, remember, you come to Jesus with the right, you know, with the right motive. You know what the Bible says? Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For what? They shall be filled. Amen. God says, "You come to me, and you hungry? I'm gonna feed you. You come to me, you want some righteousness? I'm gonna pour it on you." You ain't, he will never send you away hungry. He will send you away starving. He's going to take good care of you. Amen. Look at the man with 2,000 devils in garden gatherings. There was still enough of him in there, man, to come and bow down to feet of Jesus and, Jesus and worship him. And that's all that Jesus needed to see. If there is a glimmer of hope in somebody and it's reaching for Jesus, he's going to do something. He's going to do something. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to show him something. See, God don't need much to work with, but he's got to have something. Yeah. He can't. He's not going to make something out of nothing. He's got to have something to work with. You're going to have to give it to him. Now, faith that is merely intellectual agreement does not work, does not save, does not do anything. Believing the fact that Jesus is real. Believing the fact is not faith that does anything either in and of itself because the devils believe also and tremble, but they're not saved and they're not going to be saved. The Bible says they tremble. They tremble because they know. Let me tell you, if devils are trembling, how much more should we be? They know. They know what we don't know. 
But in this church, at least we're trying to capture what it is we're dealing with. And the closer we get to the God of this Bible, the more shaking going on, the more trembling there is. And the more fear that there is, the more comfort there is because there's more reassurance. I know He is the God that makes trembling. I know He is the God that we need to fear. And I know He is the God that can deliver as well. Their acceptance of facts does not help them. Why? Because there's no change. There's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I I believe it. I had a guy tell me that one time. I had a preacher tell me that one time. I've been preaching for years and years and years. He's a lot older than me. He's 30, 30 year, 40 year maybe, 30 year at least my senior. Maybe 40 years. He's dead and gone now, but. But he, uh, we had a difference, and we were we were doing some tag team preaching on some stuff, and we had a difference in uh, Jesus' name baptism. He was believing in Trinitarian baptism, and and I, I told him and taught him, you know, and he'd been preaching for forty years, and uh, and he started giving more than one option for baptism, and I said, hey, this is where we got to part ways, buddy. I said, this is it. It's where we it's where we part ways. What do you mean, man? I said. I said, you know better than that nonsense. I said, man, we're, we're supposed to be teaching these people. We can't be teaching them. This is a anything goes message, man. It don't matter. It does matter. And uh, I said, buddy, I said, there ain't but one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I said, he said, well, man, you know, he said, but this. I said, ain't no but to it. Ain't no but to it. I said, listen, man. I said, you know I'm right. You know I'm right. You can't not you can't not know I'm right. You, I showed you in the Bible. There's no way that you can't understand it. It's clear. You know I'm right. And he said, "Well, I, I do. I do see it." He said, I, "I do see it, and I do know you're right." He said, "But I just can't preach it." You know why he couldn't preach it? Because for forty years he'd been preaching the other doctrine. To all the people he preached to. So he had thousands upon thousands he'd been preaching to all in years. And for him to change in midstream, was have to, he'd have to go back and say, hey, I was wrong. And then he'd have to tell all them people in there he was wrong. Didn't matter. Everybody in there, and I'd been there a very short time. He'd been there a long time. Everybody in there was baptized. We had 20 people that day. Everybody in there was baptized in Jesus' name except for one person, and the only reason he did it was just because he felt sorry for the guy. Because the guy said, you know, after I was had taught on baptism and everything, everybody wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name, and, and he stood up and said, well, now, he said, now, if everybody, well, if you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, Brother Hoffman will do it. If you want to be baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I'll do it. And I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, Broke my heart, man. I couldn't believe he even said it. I mean, it just, just, it just like a ton of bricks fell on me right there. It just sucked oxygen right out of my life, man. And so that was it. That's why I told him we had to part ways. And that's the same day he told me, sitting out on that curb out there on that guardrail right in front of the building. He said, you know, I had a vision. I had a vision of you. 
He said, son, you were preaching to a multitude. He said, I ain't kidding you. Never seen a multitude like it in my life. He said, there were so many people. He said, I mean, as far back as the eyes could possibly see, they went into to nothingness. There were so many thousands of people that just went. He said, as far as you could see was people, just a mass and a sea of people. And he said, you were preaching to them. And I said, well, I said, well, great, you know. I said, man, that's, that's not up to me. I said, if that's what God wants for me, then praise God. I said, you know, I've had other people tell me that, and I've had a vision kind of like that myself. I said, but you know what? I said, if that's what the Lord wants for me, well, then so be it, praise God. Uh, then I'll be, I'll be glad to step into that place. I said, but you know what? It, it don't matter. That's up to the Lord. And he said, he said, but, he said, but Brother Hoffman, he said, you'll never preach to that many preaching what you preach. That's what he told me. And I said, Brother, I said, let me tell you something right now. I said, I'd rather preach the truth to one person than a lie to 10,000. And that's the last time we ever preached together. As a matter of fact, him who got me in the prison, or no, he didn't get me in the prison. I met him in the prison ministry that I had down there. He was from another church. Him, as well as every other preacher in that prison, after I started preaching there on Thursday nights, came to me asking me to tell all the people to please come to some of their services. Because they were going to get thrown out of the prison. There was nobody. Everybody quit every one of this, every service in the prison. And they were selling everything they could to get into the Thursday night service. It was the biggest move of God in the history of the, of the Tennessee prison system. You've never seen anything like it. People were coming all over. They weren't worried about coming for their parole here. And they needed to get to, bat, to Charles Bass Correctional Facility in Nashville. They wanted to get there to see that Thursday night service that was being noised abroad all over the state. Guards that had been there for 40 years in all the prison systems said, I've never seen anything like this ever. He said, man, these guys are, they're selling everything they got, man, to get in this service. I mean, buddy, in literally, in literally less than one minute, in less than one minute, the church service was filled up every single time. Matter of fact, they would have everybody, when they'd bring the list in and put it in the, there was, uh, 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 I think it was uh, 12 or 16 guilds which was buildings that housed 24 rooms of two, two beds per room. And they had uh, all these uh, uh, inmates, and, they, and, and they, would, they would be in their cells in each guild, each block building. And they would take the list, and they would set it out, so many for this guild, so many for this guild. And, and even the prisoners in those guilds would know, listen, they're going to open your door first, man. I'll give you... I'll give you, you know, this or this of my commentary. Put my name on that list, you know, because by the time they opened his gate, it'd be filled literally in five seconds. The guilds were filled. Boom, just like that. Boom. Everybody put five names on it. That was it. You know, however many could go per guild. That's how, that's how powerful that that service was for the years that I was there. God was moving in that church. I mean, in that, in that. Uh, and you know what? Let me tell you something. It wasn't a prison. When they were in that service, they weren't in prison. They were free. They were free. When they came, they were free. Let me know in about three minutes.
I wasn't there to tell them about what they did. We weren't there to talk about prison. We weren't there to talk about prison life. We were there talking about kingdom life. We were there not talking about what they did to get there. We were talking about what they needed to do to get out of there. Praise God. Listen, you can be in a prison and still be free. There's some of them in a prison right now that are more free than the people walking around out here today that are more bound up. There were people in those prison services that were much more, much more free than the people walking around outside. And those people were hungry. And I mean, they were thankful. And buddy, I got letters. I've still got stacks of letters from all over the state of Tennessee. They'd send me letters saying, man, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I've never been to church in my life. I've been to church all my life, and I've never been to one service till I come to this one. I never realized what church was, man. What I thought was church had nothing to do with church. You know, I mean, people just were just mesmerized by, by this service. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Folks, I need something that's going to deliver me. I need something that's going to move me. If you're convinced... You're going to be convicted, and it'll move you. The Bible talks about another gospel. Galatians 1.6 says, somebody get that for me. Galatians 1.6. I got it. I'll read it. I marvel. I marvel that you are so soon removed 